Oftentimes when people start getting to SEO, they're just trying to game Google in a sense and try and put what Google wants to see, like keyword stuffing and stuff like that, so that they're thinking that they're going to rank higher. And Google's smart and they pay attention to how customers are interacting on your site. So if people are, you know, landing on your page and bouncing very quickly, Google catches on to that and then they're like, well, this isn't very valuable content, so they'll stop producing you as one of the results. So writing your web page in such a way as that it's really engaging for your customers as opposed to just trying to keyword stuff and give Google what they want to see is, is really important. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Penn, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. What's going on, investors? And welcome to episode 253 of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Christina Kudlock. Christina is a virtual wholesaler based in Phoenix, Arizona, and specializes in getting leads through her various websites. In this episode, Christina will share her SEO strategies to maximize her lead generation websites on Google and how it's one of the best marketing channels for off-market deals compared to direct mail, door knocking, and cold calling. She'll explain the basics of SEO, how your website can rank higher in search engines like Google, and what to write on your website that encourages sellers to fill out their information about their properties. So if you want to learn how to build credibility online and how to generate high-quality leads in a cost-effective way, then you need to listen to this episode. By the way, if you're an active real estate investor, then you need to have a solid lender on your team. And if you're looking for a hard money loan, I can help. We do hard money loans nationwide at great rates and can close in 10 to 14 days. So if you're looking for a hard money loan, you can reach me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Let me know that you're a podcast listener and I'll give you a discount on our processing fees. And now, on to the show. Christina, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us what you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sean. I am a wholesaler out of Los Angeles and Phoenix are my main markets. I actually was living in Los Angeles when I started my business. And um, so that was how I got into the LA market. But right now I currently live in Phoenix, which is where I was born and raised. So now I invest virtually in both of those markets, mainly wholesaling. We do do a few flips here and there, but um, mainly wholesaling. Very cool. And so like, what's your background? How did you get into wholesaling in the first place? Yeah. So I actually was funny because when I started my real estate journey, you know, a lot of us think if you want to get into real estate, you become a realtor. Right. And so I, I had at one point I'd gone to, to school to be a realtor and really it, it found out that it wasn't for me. So um, a few years later, I'm getting ready to move to Los Angeles, where my husband, my husband and I were long-term dating at that point. And so I was getting ready to move to LA. I was trying to find uh, different kinds of positions. At the time, I was an executive assistant for a logistics company. And so I was looking for other kind of executive assistant type roles and was really defeated because I wasn't finding any kind of um, any any jobs that would even call me back. Right. And at this point, I had at least like six years under my belt. I, I felt like I should at least be getting like a call. Right. But there was nothing. And so um had like a moment one day at, at my job and kind of like lost it. And it was funny. I like prayed at that point And um, all of a sudden, like I got a moment of clarity that came over me. And the next thing I do is I go to my computer and I, I pick up 
like just it's a simple ebook like it was a 299 book on like getting getting started in real estate and stuff and it was about uh wholesaling and so I was like what like at this point I had no idea that was something that could even be done right I had already tried like the realtor thing and wasn't for me and so it was just that was really that was cool and that was kind of what got my foot in the door you're one of the few people that probably pick up a two dollar ebook and actually get something out of it so right. <laughs> okay tell me a little bit about that ebook what separated you from the herd and what'd you learn from it you know what i think it was just really at the it like it was a, a really a timing thing for me right because of me trying to like find these jobs that i thought i was qualified for and there was nothing that nothing that I would even get called back for. Right. And so I, I think it really was just like a timing moment, like where it hit me that like, this is what you're supposed to do. Like I had kind of been selling myself short and trying to, you know, do the whole job thing and find someone that like a thing that would accept me, I guess. And so to see that, like I could do it on my own and kind of make my own way was really, um, kind of a catalyst for all of that. And that is why I did like pay attention because I was at this this crossroads in my life at this point because I was trying to move to, you know, I had been dating my, my husband now, or my boyfriend at the time, my husband now for, uh, for about a year and was looking to, to relocate. And so it was just, I think it was really the timing. And so, okay, now I don't have to find a job. I'm going to do this instead. Yeah. So what was the next steps? You read the book. What do you do next? Yeah. From there I started, I believe it was Kent Clothier's course that I started to do the real estate worldwide and kind of learned his system. Um, and from there, I just kind of like I, I had a coach at the beginning and um, started doing mailers, did mailers for a little while, had a little bit of success from it. But it was harder for me at this point, just because basically I, I sold my house at the point, took the proceeds from that and was like, okay, I'm going to start my business with this. And so at the beginning, money definitely was a thing for me and keeping up with the mailers was kind of, it, you know, that's one of the more pricey um, marketing channels to do. So it led me to explore different other marketing and kind of find my niche and what, what I like. Not, not only what I like, but what I would be consistent at, right? Because all of, I, I believe that pretty much all of the marketing does work. It's just if you work and you're going to be consistent at it. So, yeah. And how long ago was all this? Cause you know, I know Kent Clothier, I've heard of his, you know, real estate worldwide yeah. you know, business. Um, but yeah, how, how long ago was all this done? This was about five years ago. Okay. Very cool. Five years. Yeah. And then I guess you were mentioning that you saw many different ways to do it, right? There's direct mail, cold calling, door knocking, driving for dollars, et cetera. Where did you land in that realm? Yeah, so first, so I did do like a first, a few batches of direct mail and um, quickly realized that I would be running out of funds if I was gonna keep going that way. So I actually, at this point, joined a real estate investors club. It was out of Riverside, California. And they, their whole thing was they really were teaching people to do door knocking and, um, and act, working foreclosures. So that's what I started from there because it, it didn't require such a budget. Um, and so it was good because it really got me out of my shell, right? Because even, even with cold calling stuff like that, like we have this like hesitancy, but when you're right there, right in front of someone at, at their door, it just forces you to, 
um, you know, to, to actually have that conversation. There's no, nowhere you can really go to. So, uh, door knocking was kind of my first, um, activity that I would do that I, I did get very consistent at. And after a while, I think it was kind of the, the type of lead that we were working with the foreclosures. I, I started to find that first of all, it's, it is pretty hard to scale door knocking unless you have like an army of door knockers. Right. And I wasn't at this point yet. So, so the door knocking thing, especially with the foreclosures, I was finding that it, I was spending more time babysitting leads and trying to help people keep their houses. Right. Because this, um, club that I was in really did go about it in a way where they were trying to serve people and help them, um, to get out of foreclosure or buy their house if that's, if that's what works. Right. And so I did do this for a little while, but was, um, was finding that I've, you know, I wasn't converting very many. So that's when I started looking to other marketing channels. I actually got my very first deal from posting on OfferUp. You know that that app. Yeah, it's where... like Craigslist, but like nicer yeah. on the phone and whatnot. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I just posted something that's like we buy houses on there and um, got my first deal that way. And then from there started, that's when I started doing more cold calling. And then eventually through cold calling also at this time, I, I found SEO and SEO has been like probably the marketing channel that I've, that I love the most. And that's the one that I've, um, have seen the most impact in my business from is all SEO. Yeah. So I guess to give you some context on us, like my fiance comes from like this digital world, right? So she loves writing blogs. She loves creating things online. Whereas for me, I'm more like the real estate background. So when I go to the different like seminars or meetups, they always talk about the same things, right? Direct mail, cold calling, door knocking. Whereas yeah. for her, she's like, why not do the online platform stuff? Why not yeah. do SEO? Why not you know, even do email blasts? So I don't really understand oh, SEO. I'm very excited to have you on today to talk about SEO and mm -hmm. building a marketing channel through there. So yeah. I'll let you go ahead and just dive right in and tell us how it's done. Yeah, so if SEO is basically having people find you on Google or any other kind of search engine through keywords. So you want to be, it's kind of the science or the art of being first when somebody types in, we buy or sell my house fast in Los Angeles or wherever that this is and um, getting people to find you instead of you finding them. And that's why SEO leads are just such a cool, different kind of beast because you know, with all these other marketing channels like cold calling, texting, all that kind of stuff, um, oftentimes you're trying to find someone when they're at the right moment and you, you happen to call them on the right day, right? When they're open to hearing that message. Whereas with SEO, they're people who are actually seeking you out and they've already determined that they have this issue, they need it solved, and they're reaching out to you for help in solving that problem. So it's a completely different kind of lead. Um, it's funny, like when you're cold calling, you're like, yeah, you know, you're trying to ask someone, why do you want to sell your house? And people are like, well, you called me. And like, you know, it's like a hard, it's a hard question to get out of people. Whereas with, you know, with SEO, they, it's just a completely different mindset that these people have. And um, one of my favorite reasons or one of my favorite things that SEO does for you um, at the same time, too, is build credibility. So people already see you as in a place of authority because, hey, Google is saying like this is this is who you need to talk to. Right. Google is serving you up. So that already um, puts you more in a place of authority as opposed to, you know, Joe Schmo calling you on the phone. And then 
it also gives people kind of a, a chance to interact with it's either your content or just even, you know, by reading your website and getting to know who you are, getting to see pictures of you, videos of you. It really helps on people um, just becoming comfortable first and when they when they call you and there's different kinds of SEO leads There's some people who, you know, they don't really care who they're working with, they've gone to the first five sites on Google and they're just dropping their information at everyone and waiting for people to call them so that they can get some offers. But there's also like my favorite kind of SEO leads. There are people who they really haven't, they're not playing the field so much. They're, they're trying to find somebody that that they that they're either connecting with or that they trust in a sense they've already decided that they want to work with you when they call so those are those are my favorite so i don't know if you know this but i'm a hard money lender so i do loans for people across the country and mm -hmm. you know there's two types of people who do sales in general there's the ones who go out there and they cold call people they reach out and then there's people like like us who just have inbound so like i have the podcast i have a youtube channel i have a meetup group yeah so i don't really promote Right? I don't have to like call random people and say, oh yeah, use our hard money loans. They come right. to me and they say, Sean, I'm ready for a hard money loan. I'm trying to flip houses, use us. So right. it's the exact same thing, right? Like I'm not calling someone and asking them if their house is for sale, even though they don't, like, you know, they're, they're trying to, you're trying to get them to, to sell you their house. They don't even know if it's for sale, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so sometimes you get like really bad responses, right? People like cuss you out, send you totally. death threats. I've had, yeah. I've had those and they're not comfortable. Even with mailers, I mean, it's 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 insane how how mad people can get out a piece of mail coming, you know, coming to their house just asking a question if they want to sell. But yeah, the, the inbound marketing it's a beautiful thing, and like the, the whole digital, it it's just uh, it's just better. Yeah, and even with direct mail, it's like you send a thousand pieces to cold like cold leads, mm -hmm. maybe one percent response rate, not even that, maybe point one percent response rate. So you're throwing away like. $999 for every thousand you put in, which is kind of yeah, nuts. It um, is. So let's go into like SEO tips themselves. Like mm -hmm. what are you doing exactly to rank higher on Google? There's two parts of SEO. There's the on page and that's what's actually on your, the, the words that are included on your site. It's the content that you're putting. And um, one of the most important parts about remembering of what to do with on page is that you're writing for your customer in mind and you're writing for the actual person on the other end of it. Oftentimes when people start getting to SEO, they're just trying to like game Google in a sense and give, try and put what Google wants to see, like keyword stuffing and stuff like that. So that they're thinking that they're going to rank higher. And it's sometimes that might, might get you into a higher place temporarily, but Google's smart and they pay attention to how customers are interacting on your site. So if people are, you know, landing on your page and bouncing very quickly, Google catches on to that and then they're like, well, this isn't very valuable content, so they'll stop producing you as one of the results. So writing your web page in such a way as that it's really engaging for your customers as opposed to just trying to keyword stuff and give Google what they want to see is is really important. So that's the on-page part of SEO. The second part is the off-page. And really what that gets into has to do with a lot of like different kinds of backlinks. So in how you build authority in Google's eyes is with other websites talking about your website. So if 
you're going to different places. Like one of my favorite kinds of backlinks to get are called citations. They're really easy to get. You just, it's basically like a, a, a directory of your website at another website. So, so in a place like Yelp.com, yellowpages.com. Those are two really popular places where you could create a little directory of your website and then it's going to have a link on how to get to your website. So when you start having citations at all of these different kinds of places to Google, it starts to say, oh, this is actually a legit company. Like this this website is talking about her website now. This one is. And it's all of these different backlinks that are now pointing to yours. So in Google's eyes, that makes it, okay, this must be a more legitimate business. It's not It's not just one website and nobody, nobody else is talking about it, right? When other websites are talking about it, that's kind of how you build authority and get um, start moving up in the rankings. So for the listeners who may have not heard of backlinks before, it's basically what you described. It's if another website is linking your website on their page. So for example, my website is everythingrei.com. And if let's say a high authority place like biggerpockets.com also puts in everythingrei.com, now this high authority website is making my website also look bigger. So again, like you said, the more people talk about you and putting your links in there, the more your website will actually rank higher for that particular topic. Um, so exactly. you know, you know, Sharon and I, right, my fiance and I, we got featured on Business Insider a couple months ago. And they put our websites on their you know, page so that incre- increased our what do you even call it like the the score Your domain authority yeah domain, domain authority. authority or domain rating different places will call it but yeah D- business insider that's a super popular website they have super high authority because everyone naturally talks about them right so when they're talking about you that boosts you up that's a great backlink <laughs> yeah and when it comes to backlinks are you just trying to have them link back to your original domain or a specific page or does it matter? Like how does it work? Yeah. So when you're building up your website, you do have multiple pages. Naturally, your home page is going to be the one to have the most backlinks. But when you're trying to boost the ratings of other pages, like in our industry, it would be like city specific landing pages, then building backlinks to other sites is a great way to get some of your smaller pages that aren't ranking as well. Building backlinks to those is going to increase their authority. Got it. Yeah. So I guess we can probably sections off to two different types, the uh, on-page, I guess, assistance and then the off-page mm-hmm. stuff. So when it comes to writing great articles, are you trying to write articles for like home sellers in this case to get people who are looking like, how do I sell my house off market? And you want to be like one of those top articles? Or, like what kind of articles are you writing for that website? So it goes into what kind of situation. So if somebody is typing in a very, a more generic um, kind of keyword for our industry would be something like sell my house fast, whatever city, or we buy houses, whatever city, uh, cash home buyers in whatever city. Um, oftentimes what I'm trying to do is I want whatever city that is rank the, the it's just a web page. It's not necessarily a blog post. Um, blog posts are really great for ranking when you're getting into like more long-term keywords, like how to sell my house out of my probate house or what to do when I've inherited a house and I'm trying to sell it, something like that. Something that's not so, that's, um, much more specific. So with those, they're not as common for people to type in, right? But 
there's still, I mean, that's a great keyword to go after if someone's like, how do, how do I sell my house in, in uh, my inherited house, right? So I don't necessarily include that on like on a, a homepage. So I guess to give you an example of how my site is designed, the homepage is optimized for sell your house fast in Los Angeles, right? And then I have other city specific pages like sell my house fast in Phoenix, sell my house fast in Arizona. These are all city specific pages. And on those pages, I do try to go after very broad keywords like like I just said, the sell my house fast, cash cash for houses in these places. And that's what those pages are optimized for. Then what I do is use my blog for stuff that's more long tail, stuff that isn't quite as common that people search for, but you still want to definitely create opportunities to find them. So how, how you would kind of think about it is each page should be optimized for a specific keyword. And the whole intent of this page is to bring people in on on that kind of keyword. And Google is very smart about understanding when uh, similar phrases mean the same thing, right? They, they understand that we buy houses fast and sell your house fast, those correlate, right? And so it, as long as you're optimizing that page, it can be optimized for multiple keywords as long as they're all within the same, they have the same meaning. But then when you're getting into something like a specific situation such as probate, inheritance, all these other different kinds of situations, then that's what we I use the blogs for is to to catch sellers in in these weird situations. Yeah, that makes sense. And when it comes down to your actual like the architecture of your website, do you have mm -hmm. like one website with multiple tabs on front for individual cities, or is it all hidden to the person who randomly walks into your your website? Yeah, linking them is very important on how you decide to link them. Um, so how the methodology that I use is from my homepage, it's optimized for Los Angeles because that's kind of how I started my website. From there, what I want to do is link it to my most important pages. So the ones that, how I've decided how what are most important for me, it's the largest demographic. So with SEO, I always try to go for like like a broad range, right? So from my my homepage, then I link to my Arizona page, I link to my Phoenix page, and I link to my California page. And then once I get into those, I link to what I would consider the most important ones after that. So you're creating kind of like this hierarchy from the homepage to the second tier of most important pages and then to the third tier and they all web that way and and because of how Google uses this thing called link juice so however much they decide your your website as a whole is worth what it's going to do is it d disperses link juice from there and towards the bottom it's there's less link juice down there as there are at the the ones that are on the the tier 1 or tier 2 yeah. that makes sense. Makes sense. And uh, what are you putting on these pages? Yeah. So the most impactful thing that I've found for these pages is things like testimonials, pictures of you with your uh, homeowners that you've helped. One of the biggest things that have been helpful for me is to give other people the opportunity to talk about how great you are, right? And how, how much you help them as opposed to just trying to say, hey, we're great, we help people. If you can get other people to say that about you, that's so much more impactful than, 
you trying to tell people how great you are. So different client testimonials, pictures, uh, before and after pictures of flips you've done just to show that you are a real person, you're doing it, and um, it gives people a chance to, to connect with you and want to reach out. So this is kind of unique to you guys. Um, most of the people I know who have these kind of websites for investors where they want people to just fill out the form, there's like no relation to the actual investor. Right? They don't want to show their face. They don't yeah. want to show their personal contact information. Why did you guys make that decision to actually put you guys like front face on the website? Yeah, it just because it works. <laughs> I mean, people have the, the chance to actually see who they're they're selling to. I think one of the things, like even when you're getting into talking about our competition, right? You have Redfin and Zillow and all these like the iBuyers and stuff, um, like Open Door, OfferPad. You have all of those. And when you go, go to those websites, it's very corporate, right? And you're going to be directed down their sales funnel and, you know, there's, probably not going to be too much like actual human touch that people are getting. And I think that as smaller investors, that's something that can really sell, set us apart is like, hey, you can actually know who you're selling your house to. There's somebody that is accountable to this deal, right? This transaction, like I'm, I'm backing the offer that I'm making you and I don't have any problem showing my, my face because I, I'm going to do everything I tell you I'm going to do, right? It gives you a chance to actually put your reputation out on the line. And if you're not willing to do that, then um, not to say you're not legit, but it's just, it's another layer of building just your reputation, your authority online. And so since you guys are working so hard to bring in like, I guess those warm leads, right? They're coming to you directly through SEO. Are you doing anything to guys push them into your website? Like, are you paying for Google ads or are you sending out direct mail letters to tell them to go check out your website or is it purely like generated through SEO leads? Yeah, I, I would say the predominantly it is through SEO leads, but we do also do Facebook. We do, we do also do a little bit of PPC and um, let's say we do a lot of door hangers. So we get uh, some leads that way too. Okay. And direct people to our website. So I guess maybe you can give us some numbers like, I don't know if you know this, but like how many people visit your websites on like maybe a monthly basis? And from that, how many convert to, let's say, leads or even closed close deals? Yeah, I usually say see anywhere from three to four hundred people on my website and usually get about 30 leads a month. You see 400 30. people on your website and 30 leads a month. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty high conversion. Mm -hmm. Wow. I need to, now I want to double check my numbers, but yeah, it's, it's somewhere around that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Do you think it's because like by the time they hit your website, they're in a situation like they wouldn't even click your link unless they wanted to sell their house to you or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. It's just the nature of like what people are searching to find us, right? Sell my house fast. You usually have a more urgent situation, right? If you're looking for a fast response, then. And how long, how long do you think it takes to, you know, if, so for example, let's say we're moving, right? My fans and I were moving to another part, like just like you guys moved to Arizona and we're going to start our own, our own business there. We're starting from scratch. How long does it take to build that authority to start getting those inbound leads? Assuming you're doing it right. Yeah, it totally depends on which market you're in because Los Angeles is going to be, so I can tell you starting from scratch, it took me a year and a half. 
took me a year to get on page one and then took me at least another half a year to be in the number one spot in Los Angeles. So that was a pretty big time commitment, right? But I will say, or and it would be a lot easier to go and do that in Idaho, in Boise, Idaho, right? The competition is not nearly as, as hard as somewhere like LA. So you do have to look at what market you're in. That plays a huge factor into where you're trying to rank. And then the second part is, so like with my website in, I started in Los Angeles and then last year decided to start um, optimizing for for Arizona as well now too, because that's where I, moved, where I moved back to. And because of the authority that my site already had, it only took me like three or four months to start ranking well in Phoenix. Okay, got it. Because you continue to use the same domain name, right? But you just mm-hmm. had like that slash Arizona or yep. something like that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, so I guess maybe, maybe we'll talk about our case. You know, we're going to move. We're going to start a new mm-hmm. website. What are some of the key things that we need to be doing on a consistent basis to continue ranking high for that website? And you're going to do a, a new website for a new place? Or you're saying well, how to keep yourself ranking on the first one? So here's the thing. Like, we don't have like a website that's for real estate sales you know like we have websites for our platforms like mine is Mm -hmm. everythingaria.com that is like an investor website for people to find me for my different channels she also has one for her like you know her content but we don't have one as like a lead generation website for you know home sellers Mm -hmm. so we're basically starting from scratch so you're going to start from scratch and you want to do it in this new market that you're moving to Yep. yeah so so what i would first do is so make your content um and it sounds like your your fiance would be really good at this and she's already into making content. But one of the, the, the big mistakes that most investors make is they go to carrot.com. You're probably familiar with carrot, right? They go to carrot and they get the... The basic package and they have all the same photos. Everyone has the same photos. Yep. And the same content too. Yes. It's, it's all the same words. They change it around a little, except, and then they like replace it with their own city and it just doesn't work anymore because that same template that Google has given, or excuse me, that carrot has given to you, they've given to everybody else as well. And Google really doesn't like duplicate content. Google wants original content. And so uh, the first thing I would do is make a site that's 100% original content. And then from there, I would make all of the different kinds of social media channels like Facebook, your Instagram, your YouTube, and um, a Google My Business account. Google My Business is, uh, is very, very helpful, and I don't think most people pay enough attention to their Google My Business profile. And so once you make all of those, then I would start creating citations. There's really good, like easy citation builders that you can go to yext.com is one of them y-e-x-t yext.com and basically what they will do is create and build a bunch of citations for you you just give them like your name your business name your address your phone number and then they're going to go and create a bunch of directories for you Um, another one is called brightlocal.com they'll do the same thing they'll create citations for you And then after I created citations, I would look for guest blogging opportunities. So looking for other websites that will let you create a piece of content specifically for their website and have it have it uh, backlinked to yours in some way. So make a 
a piece of really helpful content. And when you're looking for these guest posting opportunities, you really want to go after stuff that is like real estate specific or the city that you're trying to rank in specific. It's, it's, you know, you're looking at like and similar different kinds of genres. So whether it's business, um, you just want to avoid doing anything that's like, like you you would never try and do a blog article on like on a pet website, right? Right, Because it's not relevant. You want something that's relevant to the content that you're trying to rank for. Exactly. Because I mean, that's my second question, right? Like how, how would you get backlinks for this? Essentially, it's a lead generation form, right? Essentially, you want people to come to your website, fill out a lead generation form, and now you have the lead. But yeah. those websites, like you mentioned, are like carrot websites, They're very sparse. They're just like an advertisement for people to put their information in. Right. Um, when we do backlink stuff, it's from our own like content creations, our own like actual website. Right. So I don't so know. Like, do you combine that for your personal content stuff or do you only have one website that has everything on it? Yeah, I have. So my seller's website is the main website that I that I work on. I do have another like I actually have multiple seller websites. I don't have anyone that's just like for Christina specifically. Um, I just have the seller marketing. So I do the opposite of what you do then. But you know what? Even building backlinks from like um, what was the name of your domain again? Everything. Uh, everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I mean, you could give, you could give yourself like create a piece of content on everything REI and talk about this company that you just opened in this location. Like that's still relevant. That's still, and it sounds like REI has pretty good authority if you're getting backlinks on business insider. So it would be used in the same way. That's very interesting. And something that I definitely never thought about. Um, you know, after this, we'll probably have a conversation with my fiance to figure out the strategy to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, I guess that's the first piece of wholesaling, right? You do whatever you can to get the deal. But mm-hmm. you also do virtual wholesaling. So you're wholesaling to someone and you're potentially getting deal in a contract that you've never seen in person. Yeah. Can you walk us through that process? Like what happens after you get someone to agree to your purchase price? Yeah. So usually... At, at this point, before I give someone an offer, I usually need to see pictures. So as long as I can get some really good pictures from my from the seller that I'm working with, then I have the ability to be able to market it to to my buyers. And honestly, when I started my my real estate journey and my business, um, I was doing everything in person. It's just being in LA, right? Uh, going on a seller appointment that could that could take up your whole day, right? If you're going to somewhere in, in traffic and whatnot. And so I started just kind of by, um, by default and from necessity of trying not to waste time, I was starting to just like, Hey, well, can you send me pictures and started doing stuff virtually even before, before I moved there. But, um, getting pictures is, is huge. And then with the buyers, I mean, as long as you have pictures for them, I have, usually, I mean, anytime I send out a deal, I get three sight unseen offers anyway, if you're providing really good pictures. Are sellers really that willing to go through the hassle of taking photos for you and videos and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I never asked for videos. I never asked for videos. Pictures, pictures will always be fine. I've never had anybody have any issues with taking pictures for me. If if there's ever, if that's ever an issue, then sometimes like I'll offer to like, we use like, let me, I think go look for me or let me look. Do you know what I'm talking about? BP photo flow. 
there's services that you could just hire someone to go take pictures. So if, if they, if it's like an older seller who doesn't, isn't very um, tech savvy and can't actually take pictures, then we can have a property runner go over there and take pictures on behalf of them and then get, get us to those that way. Or like we're, we just did a deal when, with somebody he called, he was from Virginia and he just left the house. He didn't want anything to do with it. And he was supposed to have his family friend meet us to, to, to let us in to take pictures. And in that case, I was going to send just a property runner to go take pictures. Um, but she wasn't returning his calls. So we ended up just rekeying the property for him. Okay. So gotcha. we, yeah, we do all sort. I mean, well, there's different situations that call for, for different things. And it, usually it has to do with the seller's level of comfort, whether they have access to the property or not. But um, usually photos, those are, that's a, a, a really easy workaround, whether it's with a property runner, uh, some sort of photo service or whatnot, but yeah. Now I'm wondering, after you get the seller to agree to terms and they take photos, how are you locking it up? Like, do you have a, a wholesaling contract that you created yourself and they just signed through DocuSign? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I mean, I didn't create it myself. It, I had a, a lawyer do it at one point, but yeah. It's the okay. same one. We just send everything through DocuSign. Every now and then you do get a seller who's like older and they're not, they don't do that. Um, they're not, or they're not comfortable with DocuSign. And in that case, we'll send a notary. And then are you like paying anything for consideration, like a hundred bucks just to tie it up? Or do they ask anything for you? No, we usually, we usually do at least a thousand, at least. And depending on which market it is, like Arizona, we usually do anywhere from a thousand to two thousand. Um, but I have a contingency in my contract that says that the EMD is due after inspection. Okay. And then do you try to find a buyer before like that whole, whole thing happens? Yeah. So usually I give myself anywhere from, it depends on what my sellers, like the, the timeline they're working on, but anywhere from a three day inspection to a 15, 20 day inspection. And in that time I'm finding my buyer and then I, um, once I find my buyer, I open escrow and I have my buyer do the deposit. Okay. Now how's that conversation like? So I've only wholesaled one deal before. I've always like had to flip my own and yeah, yeah the conversation with the seller about, you know, wholesaling and like how we're not actually going to close on it. How does that conversation work with you guys when you talk to someone that they've never seen you in person because you're in Arizona now right? and then telling them, oh, actually I'm not closing on it. This guy is and I'm getting a fee for it. Yeah. I mean, I just let them know that I'm working with a funding partner who's actually like, that's where the capital is coming from. And it's usually at this point, like of the negotiations, we've built a certain amount of rapport and trust and they, you know, they're like, yeah, I don't really care what you do with it. Some people cool. say that others, you know, I have had issues where people are like, no, that makes me uncomfortable. And in that case, I just bring my, I, I decide on which buyer I'm going to use before then. Okay. And like, how are you finding this pool of buyers in the first place? The buyers in California is kind of a long, longer process because I have been in that market for about five years now. So at the beginning, I started by finding people on Craigslist. And then after I started building up a, a list that way, I started trading that list with other wholesalers. Once I built and then looking for just cash sales, if I had a transaction in a specific part of town i'd pull cash cash sales there and find reach out to buyers that way 
And so by this point now, I mean, my, my buyer's list in, in California is, you know, a couple, I think the last time I checked, it was like five or 6,000. So that's my list in California. In Arizona, since I haven't been in that market as long, we've actually been very intentional about just trying to um, build relationships with like a lot of I buyers and all of the hedge funds out here because Arizona and California are two very different markets. Like you don't, there's not very many I buyers in LA. So when we started building a list in a buyer's list in Arizona, we were finding like all of these properties are just being sold to the, to these I buyers. And it's crazy because half of them are paying like full market value for them. So we've just been making, um, making introductions with them and selling, selling to I buyers mostly out here. And so when you get a deal on a contract, do you mark it up yourself or are you kind of like testing the waters first to get the price? No, I usually come up with the price of what I'm asking for it. Okay. And then uh, I guess when you reach out to them, are you doing it like I have tier one type of people or you just send a blast to the whole buyer's list? I send a blast to the whole buyer's list, but we are getting to my, my husband actually just started working with me and he's kind of taking over the dispositions and he's building that out to be more of a tier system and, um, going over all of our, our deals and seeing, okay, what are the ones we've already worked with and maybe giving them a first shot, especially if I was talking to somebody the other day, he said that he will give it out to his buyer's that he'll give them a shot for people he knows are super active in that area. And if they'll come over his asking price, he'll sell it to them without even, without even marketing it to anyone. And I think that's what we're trying to transition into doing. But as of right now, we just blast it to everyone. Cause sometimes I have that problem, right? Like I get a deal, it's off market and I'm like, so again, I don't wholesale it, but usually I partner with other people, but I'm like, mm -hmm. how do I, how do I partner with people? Like, do I send it to my best friend first or maybe the one that has yeah. the most capital? Like, do I feel guilty for sending one person first or the other? Or then how do you say sure. no if they both say yes afterwards, right? Yeah. Oh, and that that's always the, especially when you have two buyers that you really like and you know they're good buyers are going to perform. It That's like, you know, low key, one of the hardest parts of it. You feel bad, like you, you can't give it to two people, right? Yeah. And so, and some people really do get their, I mean, most most good buyers understand like, no, it's your deal. You gotta, you know, I can't get everyone. But some people really do get, like they get upset if they don't get the deal. But that's that's for my husband to handle now. So I guess you just choose one person, right? Maybe whoever is first. And then they text in person and say, hey, always does, so is next one, right? Honestly, it, we usually have it get down. If we, if it's two buyers that we know, two buyers that we're like, no, both of these, they'll close. It's going to be a good transaction. We usually just go with who will go go highest. Makes sense. Yeah. Wow, this has been a super interesting conversation. Thank you guys so much for talking about you know SEO, creating your own you know website to actually bring in these warm leads. Again, it makes such a huge difference how people come to you, want to sell their property to you already versus you having to go out and fish, right? right. Um, so I think anyone that listens to this will get a lot of value out of it. So thank you again so much for coming on the show. Now, how can people find out more about you or you know check out your websites? Yeah. So my, the name of my website is Mrs. Property Solutions.com. So MRS, like a married woman, property solutions has an S at the end. 
and you could check us out there. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at Christina Kudlock, which is C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-K-U-D-L-O-C-K. Awesome. Christina, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can find the show notes and other episodes on our site, everythingrei.com slash podcast. If you live in the Bay Area, join our meetup group, where we meet up twice a month in San Jose at meetup.com slash everythingrei. And if you thought this was a great episode, let me know what your key takeaway was and share it with a friend who's interested in real estate investing. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It will only take a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at sean at everythingrei.com. That's S-E-A-N at everythingrei.com. Thanks and have a great day.